0: Nehemiah chapter number 3. We'll begin our reading with verse number 1. It reads as this, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zachar, the son of Imri. But the fish gates did the son of Hassana build, who laid or who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof and the bars thereof. And next unto him repaired Merrimauth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, and next unto him repaired Meshullam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Mershebel. And next unto them repaired Zadok, and the son of Bana. And verse 5 says, And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. In our setting, Nehemiah has come back and he is rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. You know that story very well. And in our our text, God laid this on my heart several months ago, but I never did get the full context and the scope of what he was showing us. But in in verse number 5 is where we're going to take our text from tonight. And it mentions a, a, a people of the land of Tekoa, the Tokoites. And this statement might not mean anything to you, but hopefully it will before oh, we uh, conclude and we're finished. But I want to preach if the Lord will help us tonight on the trumpets are silent. The trumpets are silent. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way. Ask God to help us and anoint us tonight. Father, I love you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the reminder, O oh God, by song that nothing it's too hard for You. God, there's no situation. There's no problem. There's no sickness. God, there's, there, there's no disease. There's nothing in life that's too hard for You. And God, while we're going to go through tests and trials that we can't solve, with with man we have our impossibilities, but with You, God, nothing is impossible. I'm asking You now, oh God, for the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost to rest upon me. God, if a man has ever needed the anointing, I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost tonight to deliver what You've laid upon my hearts to deliver. God, anoint me to say every word that You would have me to say. God, anoint me not to overstep You and say anything more. I pray that You would anoint us to hear and to respond to the Word of God. I pray that You touch us and draw us closer to You. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. And Amen. the trumpets are silent. As I mentioned, the Lord laid this on my heart several months ago, and uh, on a Sunday morning, we were getting ready to come to, to church, and the Lord laid on my heart, turned to the book of Nehemiah, and I, I went, I just started in Nehemiah chapter number one, and began reading the book of Nehemiah, I, I read the whole book, and I was, Lord, what are you wanting to show me, what do you want me to see, and I, I went back and read the first Chapter again. I read the the second chapter again. I, I read the third chapter again. And by this point in time, it was uh, about time to uh to come to church. But when I I got to verse number five, I, I felt uh, the dagger of the Holy Ghost in my heart when I read this verse and the uh, unto them the tocoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their their lord. And I read that and I just kept it in the back of my mind and I knew that there was something there, but I didn't know what. And uh, the weeks began to transpire and I was just glued to that one phrase, their nobles put not their necks to the work. Of their Lord. And I began to cross reference and I began to uh, look in the Hebrew to pull different word studies and to, to look at uh, different commentaries about what the, the verse meant. And there was some interesting things that I found about uh, the land of Tekoa and about the Tekoites. And uh, the, in Tekoa, it was a, a town about 10 miles due south of Jerusalem on the edge of the wilderness. It was best known as being the home of the prophet Amos. As a matter of fact, his um, they had a shrine there built over his grave and, and many would uh, pay uh, homage and would have pilgrimage and would go and look and see the, the grave of the prophet, the man of God. And Tekoa was also the dwelling place of the wise woman in 2 Samuel 14. Uh, when she tried to uh, set up counsel between David and Absalom and reconcile the two. But as I uh, was reading the history of Tekoa, nothing really jumped out at me. Nothing really caught my attention. But when I looked up the meaning of uh, the word Tekoa, and I, I saw what it meant in the original Hebrew I knew that this was where the Lord was drawing me to. The name Tekoa in the Hebrew tongue means uh, trumpet blast uh, or trumpeters. It it literally means one who blows uh, the trumpet. Uh, This town, this this village was known for its trumpeting. It was known for its trumpet making. In Jeremiah chapter number six, uh, verse uh, 10, it says, ye children of Benjamin, Gather yourselves uh, to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpets in Tekoa and set up a sign of fire in Beth, uh, Herakim, for evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. Jeremiah was uh, admonishing the people of Tekoa to blow the trumpet, to sound uh, the alarm because of destruction that was coming to Jerusalem, I began to look up uh, uh, trumpets and in scripture there were five distinct roles of a trumpet. That uh, Five roles that uh, a trumpeter would fulfill. The first one is that it was the trumpeter's job to sound the alarm. To sound the alarm, if there was ever a troublesome situation, if there was ever a a time where a a, a storm was coming or an invading army was coming or uh, someone had an emergency, a trumpeter would begin to blow the trumpet uh, and to sound the alarm. Uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, the trumpets in the land, uh, they had a distinct sound and a distinct pitch. Because the word of God says, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 8, for it says, uh, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Meaning, if someone were to blow the trumpet and could not recognize the sound, then what was the point of blowing the trumpet? if, if uh, somebody were to blow the trumpet but the person who was hearing it uh, did not uh, realize that a trumpet was blowing and, and it was sounding the alarm and sounding a warning then they were wasting their time uh, but uh, they were uh, admonished for the trumpet to have a certain sound uh, to where when that trumpet blast went out uh, everybody in that area would know that danger was imminent that there was an emergency uh, that there was uh, a sense of urgency so the, tra- the, the, the role of the trumpet was the sound. And along secondly, the sound of the trumpet was a call to war. If an army was going to uh, uh, get him prepared for battle, when uh, the, the, the king or the captain of the army would uh, issue the decree to go into battle. He would look uh, to find the trumpeter and he would begin to issue the sound to charge. Uh, that the sound of the trumpet was the, uh, the sound to make ready to go into battle. Uh, after the battle was over, the third uh, uh, purpose of that trumpet uh, was to announce a victory to announce that the battle is over, that the war uh, has been won, to to go gather the spoils and to uh, uh, begin to celebrate your victory. The fourth use of that trumpet was to lead in worship. There were portions of Scripture that we'll see in just a minute where Solomon when the the temple was being dedicated, he uh, outlined trumpeters to begin to uh, uh, play and to lead uh, the congregation in worship. Uh, And fifth, the use of that trumpet was to herald uh, uh, the the arrival of the king. Uh, When a king was coming uh, uh, out of his palace and was about to address the people, uh, the trumpeters would begin to blow. Uh, They would uh, uh, issue the sound that the king is coming, uh, that the king was on his way uh, to stop what you're doing, uh, to stand at attention, uh, to get ready to view uh, and to see the King. Uh, I mean, that was the role of uh, the trumpeter. They had uh, five distinct roles in Scripture, but in Nehemiah's day, uh, the Word of God says that the Toccoites, the trumpeters went silent. Uh, They did not the work uh, of the Lord. Uh, They put not their necks to the work uh, of the Lord, meaning uh, that there was a few that worked. Uh, There was a few that labored on the wall, uh, the, the Tekoites. Uh, some went out and some labored uh, and worked with Nehemiah and worked with the people from Jericho and worked uh, with their brothers and sisters. Uh, but it wasn't a wholehearted effort uh, because the nobles, uh, the priests, the ones in charge, uh, they put not their necks to the work of the Lord. In Nehemiah's day, spiritually speaking, the trumpets were silent. The trumpets were silent. What the land of Tekoa was known for, their trumpeters, they went silent. A few worked on the wall, but the nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. In Nehemiah's day, the trumpets were silent. They failed to do their job. Why? Because they failed to see the need. When they failed to see and realize the need... They failed to complete the task that they were known for. And man, that was in Nehemiah's day. But we've come to the place in our day, in our generation, when the exact same thing is happening across our land. The trumpets have gone silent. The trumpets have gone silent. And then we are called in the Word of God. The church, you and I, were called to lift up our voice like trumpets. In Isaiah 58, verse 1, it says, Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. In Hosea 8, verse 1, it says, Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant. And trespassed against my law. The book of Joel, chapter number 2, verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. And sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand. The message to God's people The message to the priest uh, Was whatever you do Don't forget to blow the trumpet Uh, Whatever you do Don't forget to let uh, the trumpet blow Uh, Amen We must be God's trumpeters in this hour Proclaiming uh, the word of the Lord God's looking for men and women uh, That'll lift up their voice Like the trumpet uh, And begin to sound the alarm In this generation uh, uh, Against impending doom uh, Against gloom Against sin I and mean, then against all manners of this world He's looking for a church That won't compromise and throw in the towel of political correctness But it will be the church that He ordained them to be Full of power And of the Holy Ghost In Nehemiah's generation The Tekolites were supposed to be trumpeters They were supposed to blow the trumpet But they put not their necks To the work of the Lord In my generation I've seen the church grow silent I've seen many who had the call To lift up your voice like a trumpet. Have spiritual laryngitis. And fail to talk. And fail to speak. And fail to show the world the way. That Jesus Christ is the way. By and large in this generation. The trumpets have gone silent. The trumpets have gone silent. I want us to look. I've laid out the five. Roles of the trumpeter in the Old Testament in the Word of God. I want us to look at those through the eyes in the spiritual. Amen. And look at it in present day. The role of the trumpeter was first to sound the alarm of warning. I've already quoted Joel 2. Blow ye the trumpets in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. In the Word of God, in Exodus 19 and 13, when Moses was receiving the law, God was coming down and delivering unto Moses the law. There was a warning that God gave unto Moses. He said in verse 13, There shall not a hand touch it, talking about the mountain of God, but he shall surely be stoned and shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. That, that, that trumpet blast was a warning. In Ezekiel chapter number 33, and again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, listen at this. Verse 2, son of man, speak to the people, or the children of thy people, and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, not if I bring a sword, but when I bring a sword. Amen. When I bring the sword upon a land. If the people of the land. Take a man of their coast. And set him forth their watchman. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land. He blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet. And taketh not the warning. If the sword come and take him away. His blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. See thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them for me. Amen. He's saying you should set yourself a watchman that would have his eye on the conditions that would have his eye on the surroundings. And when the sword come upon the land, when I pronounce judgment on the land, he should take up the trumpet and begin to blow. For if the people hear the the trumpet sound, if they hear the warning, but they take the message lightly, their blood is going to be required of their own hands. But if the watchman does not blow the horn, if the watchman, when he sees calamity coming, if he fails to sound the alarm, the village will be destroyed, but those the blood of the innocent will be, shed, would be held accountable on the watchman because he failed to sound the alarm. He knew what was coming. He knew what was around the bend. He knew what destruction was coming and what light ahead, but he failed to sound the warning. He failed to put the trumpet to his mouth and blow and warn the people of God. I've seen in my generation many watchmen, Watchmen, who have failed to sound the trumpet? Who have failed to sound the alarm? And because of them, the world is lost and dying and going to hell. There's many preachers that have compromised over a number, over a dollar, that in, in, instead of preaching the true counsel of the Word of God, they preach gain is godliness and prosperity, not to benefit the crowd but to benefit themselves. And because of that, they become a slothful watchman. Amen. To where their congregations are being destroyed by hell itself, and they're no longer concerned because gain has become godliness. My God, we need men and women of integrity that'll set aside themselves as watchmen, that'll watch the horizon, that'll read the Word of God, that'll keep an eye on the surroundings and care for the souls of mankind. Oh, God, help us. Where are the watchmen? I can tell you the watchmen and this generation against sin has grown silent. Amen. The watchmen against sin. You stand up and preach flat-footed and preach against sin. Oh, God. The most ridiculed man is a man that loves you enough to tell you you're wrong. Amen. The world wants somebody that'll Heap. celebration, prosperity, wealth, fortune, fame, all upon them. And that's rubbed off on the man of God. Amen. The watchman against sin has grown silent. Amen. The preachers that will stand and preach the full counsel of the Word of God. I've seen it in my generation They've grown silent. I can tell you the watchman against worldliness has grown silent. I didn't think I'd get many amens right there. But I'm going to preach it anyway. Amen. The watchman against worldliness. Amen. What one time was the enemy of the church has now become embraced by the church. What many stood in the the pulpits and preached against Said, I won't ever do that. I won't ever become that. Is the very thing that they've turned to. Hey, Amen. Watchmen against the world. The world's not our enemy anymore. The world is our friend. We need to be like the world to win the world. I can tell you no, no, no not biblical you won't find that anywhere paul said i become all things to all men so i've got to be like the world to win the world paul was not talking about compromising his integrity nor his character nor the full counsel of the word of god uh, amen I, I don't have to be like the world to win the world uh, as a matter of fact the word of god says come out from among the world uh, and be you separate uh, god never called us to blend in with the world uh, he called us to stand out in the world uh, to show them you don't have to go this way uh, you don't don't have to be this way. There's a way of redemption. There's a way out. His name is Jesus. He's alive in me, and if you allow him, he'll be alive in you. My God, Amen. We become so much like the world. We've lost our effectiveness with our witness in the world. God help us. The watchman against sin has gone silent. The watchman against worldliness. Has gone silent. The watchman. Against false doctrine. Has gone silent. The amount of. Deceit. That's being propagated by hell. That's being gobbled up by much of the church. God help us. God help us. In an effort to go along. To get along. You can find a little bit of good in everything. Well, the whole lot of bad that it contains, if you digest and you take that in, it's going to corrupt the good that you have in you. Seen a mixing of faith. Seen a mixing of doctrine. Listen, we can debate. I can stand and talk about my convictions. You can talk about your convictions all day long. I can, I can debate to you about politics. I can debate to you about a whole lot of things under the sun. But one thing I will not debate is doctrine. One thing that I will not compromise on is doctrine. I'll give the true doctrine all day long. I, I had a Jehovah's Witness come up to me uh, the Monday morning. I was pumping gas. She said, sir, do you mind if I give you some literature? I said, absolutely not. I, I, I love it. She said, it's on teenage depression. Do you know any teenagers that are depressed? I said, I know a lot. I, I said, well, maybe I can learn something. I, I looked at it, looked to the cover immediately. I turned over the back to look in the bottom left-hand corner to see who was behind it. Don't just read something and take it for base value. You look at the Spirit behind it. I looked in the corner. said, jw.org. I said, dear God, a Jehovah's Witness. Amen. I said, ma'am, I appreciate you giving me your brochure. Amen, but I don't want it. Why don't you want it? I said, it's false doctrine. It's from a pit of hell. She said, no, we read the Bible. I said, no, you read your Bible that's been twisted and manipulated. Amen. And and twisted and turned into a doctrine of devils. Amen. I believe in a literal heaven. I also believe in a literal hell. Amen. And you're damning the souls of men telling them that heaven and hell is on earth. Amen. That your heaven is right here. That your hell is right here. The world is going to be a utopia. No! It's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Diminishing the message of eternity. That there is a heaven again. That there is a hell to shun. And if you're not born again and the blood of Jesus has not been applied to your life, then hell will be your eternal abode. This world is not heaven. This world is not hell. Because the Word of God says that there will be a fire that comes. Amen. And it eclipses all of the the earth. Amen. This is going to be burned away. Amen. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. And masses upon masses will be in a place called hell. Don't try coming and spread your false doctrine to me. You say that's too harsh. It's the truth. Amen. We can try to water it down all day long. But we're too late in the ball game, folks, to play around with fire. Because if you play around with fire, you're gonna get burned. Amen. Other religions diminishing the integrity of the Godhead. I believe the Word of God teaches in God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And all these three are one. Amen. It teaches us that Jesus and His blood is the only means of redemption. It's not water baptism. I believe you ought to be baptized. But all the water in the world can't take your sins away. Amen. I believe. Amen. In speaking in tongues. I believe that it is the initial physical evidence of, the, of being filled with the Spirit. But that does not equal redemption. That does not equal salvation. To be a candidate for the Holy Ghost, you've got to have an encounter with the blood of the Lord jesus christ i can't debate that amen i'm I'm, I'm not going to debate that it's truth amen you can accept it or you can reject it but your blood will be on your own head amen i amen stand fast and stand true that jesus is the way of redemption but preacher you got to be baptized in jesus name you got to do this you got to do that you've got to have this exact theory you gotta have this exact formula. I've got to have the blood. If the blood can't wash my sins away, then your water and your formula sure can't. God help us tonight. Amen. Where? The watchmen have grown silent. They've got some anointed music you just need to listen to. They got some great teaching. Amen. I was listening to a preacher the other day, preaching on apostolic praying. Great message through the first seven minutes. Then he went off on his tangent uh, about his doctrine. Cut it off. Amen. Why? Amen. I don't want any of that that's going to pollute. Preacher, there's a little bit of good in it. There may be a little bit of good, but there's a whole lot of bad. We need watchmen to discern and know the difference. We just need to fellowship and all get along. No. No. God help us. We need watchmen. Where's the watchman Guarding against witchcraft and demonic influence in our homes and in our families. Witchcraft. Demonic spirits. I don't allow that in my house. How many times do you sit in front of the TV and it comes right in? You wouldn't allow a witch in your house. You wouldn't allow a warlock in your house. You wouldn't allow somebody to come in and cast bells, but you sit glued to it in front of a television, enamored by it. There's a spirit of deception and witchcraft. Where are the watchmen that will stand and raise up their voice against it? I mean, where's the watchman that's looking out for our souls that will sound the alarm? We need watchmen, church. We need watchmen in this hour that will put the trumpet to their mouth And sound the alarm. And preach the uncompromising gospel. Joel 2. I've quoted it two times. I'm going to quote it a third. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. That wasn't an optional thing. It was a command. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand. A watchman that will sound the alarm. Secondly, a watchman in times of war. Folks, we're at war tonight. We're at war. In Judges chapter number 3, it came to pass when He was come that He blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. This is Gideon. And the children of Israel went down with Him from the mount and He before them. And He said unto them, Follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him. And he took the fords of Jordan toward Moab. And he suffered not a man to pass over. And Numbers 10, verse 9. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then ye shall bro- blow an alarm with the trumpets. And ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God. When you go into war, Moses, blow the trumpet. And Numbers 31, And Moses sent them to war. A thousand of every tribe, them and Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, to the war with the holy instruments and the trumpets to blow in their hand. And they warred against the Midianites as the Lord commanded Moses. And they slew all the males. Uh, It was a commandment. When you go to war, uh, you blow the trumpet. Uh, You sound the alarm. Uh, Amen. As I look in the New Testament, I see many uh, verses that let us know tonight, church, we are at war. Uh, Amen. We're not at peacetime. We're we're not in a a, a sabbatical to where hell is just uh, taking a hands-off approach and just uh, sitting by and let the church do her thing. No. uh, Hell is working overtime because he knows uh, his time is short. uh, And God has admonished the church in His Word uh, that we are to be soldiers. Uh, We are to fight the good fight of faith, uh, to lay hold of life eternal. Uh, In 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses uh, 3 and 4, it says, Now thou therefore endure hardness uh, as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life uh, that he may please him uh, who had chosen him uh, to be a soldier." Folks, we are at war tonight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against wicked spirits in high places. My God, wake ourselves up tonight. We are at war. Hell's not a misunderstood friend. Hell's not something that you can just counsel, think it's gonna get better. See, we've tried to counsel and pacify. What God has commanded us to cast out and get rid of. We wonder why we're in the shape that we're in. Give no room. Give no place to the devil. You don't take him on a 12-step program and try to cancel it out or try to uh, counsel them on how to cope with their condition. No, uh, you take authority over it. Uh, Amen. You plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, You get anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost uh, and commanded to take its flight uh, and to leave and loose its grip. Uh, Amen. We're at war tonight uh, and the church must have uh, a militant mind frame. Uh, Matthew 11 verse 12 uh, From the days of John the Baptist until now uh, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence uh, and the violent taken by force. Uh, We need water that will sound the alarm to remind the church we're at war. It's not peacetime. It's not a time of safety. It's not a time of complacency or ease. But your life is on the line. The thief is coming not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. That means you. That means me. We need trumpeters that will sound the alarm because we're at war. The sound of the trumpet symbolizes warfare. But for the Jews, a blast of the trumpet represents the shout of God's victory over the power of sin and death. I believe I could shout a while right there. Hallelujah. There was, in the middle of a war, there would be a blast at the front. Then there would be a blast. For retreat. But I can tell you. In God's economy. Retreat is one word. That a Christian don't use. Amen. When I, he was equipping that soldier. Notice he was giving him. The armor of God to cover everything on the front side. And his back was left exposed. Why? Because God never intended for his child to turn around and go back. Men, So there would be a sound at the beginning. Then there would be a sound at the end which signified victory. When the victory had been won, the enemy had been defeated, there would be a sound issued. Voices, cheers, would begin to raise, begin to go up because the battle was over. The victory has been won. Let me ask you this question, church. Where are the shouts of victory in our church anymore? I'm not talking about Bible way, but I'm talking about the church as a whole. Where are our shouts of victory? I remember a time as just a young lad, a young boy. He was dangerous for the pastor to have testimony service, because chances were he wasn't going to get much past that. That was going to be a saint that had been on their knees praying through, that had the victory. They would begin to testify. And that was as far as the service ever got. My aunt, God bless her heart, man, as anointed prayer warrior as as I've ever met, a great woman of God, if she didn't testify much, because if she did, it was over with. She was anointed. She had the victory. And she wanted everybody in shouting distance of her to have the victory. But a lot of churches don't even have testimony service anymore. And for the ones that do, open it up. Who wants to testify? For about 10, 15 seconds, you hear crickets. Nobody has anything to say. I've been in some testimony services, they called it that. I was thinking to myself, would you please stop? Because there was no testimony in what they were saying. Just woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. You're not giving God victory, you're praising the devil. Amen. Let him know what a good job that he's doing. Amen. Folks, when we come to church, we should come into the church with victory. Victory. I, the, the, the preacher shouldn't have to pump you and prime you to get you to testify or pump you and prime you to get you to say amen or, or pump you to prime you to worship and lift your hands. Uh, you should be like the psalmist David. I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Uh, I will enter into his courts with praise. Why? Because I had victory before I ever come to church. Uh, it, it takes two or three weeks of revival to get some people victory. Uh, amen. In the house. Uh, today. Uh, amen. But it's the will of God for you to not just come to church to get victory uh, but for you to have victory before you ever come to the house. Amen. So you can help praise somebody else through. So you can touch God for somebody else. Amen. We need some trumpets in this hour lifting their voice up in victory. Victorious over sin. Victorious over sickness. Victorious over the flesh. Victorious over the powers of the enemy. We need some trumpeters. Amen. That will sound their voice of victory. Fourth. The sound of that trumpet was leading in worship. I don't have time to get into all of this tonight. I wish I did. But the sound of those trumpets would lead in worship. First Chronicles 13, And David and all of Israel played before God with all their might, with singing, with harps, with psalteries, with timbrels, with cymbals, and with trumpets. First Chronicles 15, The priest did blow with the trumpets before the ark of God. And Obed-Edom and Jehiah were doorkeepers for the ark. Not only was it a bloody trail from Obed-Edom's house to the place where the tabernacle would be set up, but it was a place full of worship. The trumpeters lifting up the sound and the people responding in worship. Where are the sounds of true worship in this hour? I'm not talking about music. I'm not talking about lyrics and songs. We've got the misconception of worship in this hour. If it's not hyped up, if it's not amplifiers so loud you can't hear for three weeks after the fact, guitars as loud as they can go if singer ain't in skinny jeans and t-shirt and flip-flops with a hole the size of a 50-cent piece in his ear where you can pitch a quarter through it. Looks like you'd fall face first in a tackle box. Hooks and all kind of stuff everywhere. That's what the world, that's what much of the church considers worship. And if that's not the environment, and if that's not the atmosphere, then they sit there like an iceberg. I mean, listen, folks, worship takes place. Amen. Whether there's music or whether there's not. Worship takes place whether you're singing the newest contemporary stuff or whether you're singing out of the red back hymnal. Amen. Worship takes place whether the person can hit five octaves or whether they can't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it. Worship takes place. Amen. Whether you're in church or whether you're out. The best worship that I've ever had in my life was riding in a truck going to work. I I just began, I was in a a deep, dark trial. Amen. Of my faith, a a trial. Amen. Like I'd never experienced before at that point in my Christian walk with God. Amen. But despite it all, I just began worshiping God. Tears began flowing down my face. God came down. Brother Daniel and inhabited the praise. Amen. The presence of God was so rich and so real. I just had to pull the truck off on the side of the road. I don't know how long I was there, but I was just basking in the presence of God. Uh, you don't have to have Hillsong to get that. Uh, you don't have to have Bethel to get that. Uh, I thank God for some of the songs and some of the, the modern stuff. Amen. But uh, my worship is not confined to that. Uh, my worship is not confined to the redback hymnal. Uh, my worship is who I am in Christ uh, and worshiping Him not because of what I feel, uh, not because I like the lyrics, uh, not because I like the music, uh, but because I'm in love with Him and because He's worthy to be exalted because He's worthy to be praised because He's worthy to be adored. Amen folks when you have that mentality and then worship isn't a dredge worship isn't a drudge. Worship comes freely out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh when you've got Christ alive in your heart and you're truly in love with Him then worship's going to flow out of your mouth just as natural for it as it is for me to breathe. It's just as natural for me to worship. Hallelujah. 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 My God, we need true worshipers in this hour. True worshipers. Not caught up in some carnal craze. Because I'll make a bold statement. 90% of what the world calls worship you could put ACDC up on the stage. They'd do the exact same thing. Because it's an emotional feeling about them. And it's not a connection with God. Amen. Worshipers, The time has come. And now is. When the true worshipers shall arise and worship me in spirit and in truth. Worship me in the truth of their intellect. In the truth and the purity of their heart. And in the spirit. Worshiping God in truth. That's worshiping in your dominion. That's worshiping in truth as you know it. The purity of your heart. Worshiping in the Spirit is in His realm. In spirit and in truth. True worship. This is my favorite curse to come help me. I'm done. Lastly, this is shouting around. You might not shout with me. I might just shout by myself. I've done it a time or two before. I told you one time the whole. Uh, I felt the presence of God so rich and real. Just wept and cried on the side of the road. Another time I was listening to a man of God preach. Holy Ghost got all over me. I put it in park on the side of the road. I got out and ran a couple laps around the truck. Got back in. Got to where I was going. Had church right by myself. But when a trumpeter would lift up the trumpet and issue a sound, the last roll. He was announcing the arrival of the king. He was announcing the arrival of the king. Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13, Then they hastened, and they took every man his garment and put it under him, on top of the stairs, and blew with the trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. In Second Kings 11, And when she looked, behold, the king stood by the pillar, As the manor was, and the princes and the trumpeters by the king, And all the people of the land rejoiced and blew the trumpets. Why were they blowing the trumpets? Because they were letting them know that the king is on the way. They were letting the crowd know. They were letting the town know. They were letting the village know that the king is coming. That the king is coming. That the king. We need some trumpeters in this hour that'll lift up their voice and preach. The king is coming. The king is coming. Not a king, but the king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. Jesus is coming. Oh preacher it's bad right now. I know it is but Jesus is coming. Preacher you don't understand what I'm going through. I may not but I do know Jesus is coming. Preacher you don't know the heartache and the turmoil. I don't but I know one thing. Jesus is coming and when He comes He'll cure whatever ails you if you're born again and you're ready. Amen. If you're ready to meet Him your problems aren't going to be problems anymore. My God if you're ready to meet Him your sickness ain't going to be sickness anymore. Uh, if you're ready to meet them, uh, your turmoil won't be turmoil anymore. Uh, the King is coming. Woo. First Thessalonians four. I would not, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, brother, concerning them that are asleep, or that you sorrow as others which have no hope. But if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in the the Lord shall Jesus bring with him. Verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. I heard one goofy, charismatic preacher say, the writer was talking about Donald Trump in that passage of Scripture. Donald Trump is the trump of God. I listened to the presidential speech last night and I have to say I liked a good bit of what I heard. Man, I I heard but I can tell you when I hear that trump of God Amen. Donald Trump and his words ain't going to be able to compare to the glory of that trumpet sound. (laughs) Hallelujah. Woo! Amen. I I would not have you ignorant, brother. There will be a trump of God and after the trump sounds the King is coming. Amen. After the trump sounds, uh, the King is coming. First uh, Corinthians 15. Uh, I'll show you a mystery: we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Uh, for in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, at the last trump, uh, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised uh, incorruptible. Then shall we all be changed. Uh, for this corruption must put on incorruption. Uh, this mortal must put on immortality. Uh, so when this corruption uh, has put in this uh, has put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality. Uh, then shall be brought to pass this saying amen that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory but thanks be the God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my brethren be you steadfast unmovable always abandoning the work of the Lord for as much as you know as your labor is not in vain and the Lord folks I'm listening for the trump amen of God amen for the king is coming I I said the king is coming let's be the church and herald his arrival so much of this dominion theology has creeped into the church this has got to happen that's got to happen I talked to you just a few minutes ago about the Jehovah's Witness you say I'll never swallow what they had to say so much of this modern charismatic church is with the dominion and the kingdom now theology that's so prevalent. The preacher, they talk in tongues. They shout. They dance. They run. I I do not care. Amen. If the message that they're propagating does not line up with the Word of God, it's heresy. So much of this modern charismatic universalism, everybody's saved. They just don't know it yet. Jehovah's Witness teaches you that the heaven and hell is here on earth. The charismatic dominion, kingdom now. Doctrine tells you that this is going to be God's kingdom. We've got to perfect it so Jesus can come. When we perfect it and we get everything just right, then Jesus now listen, there's no amount of perfecting that's going to be able to perfect this sin-filled world outside of Christ. Amen. Outside of Armageddon, wiping it clean hallelujah, then the thousand year millennial reign will take place with Christ. Folks, that's what I'm looking for. The trump of God. We need some trumpeters in this hour that will preach with one mind, with one accord, with one purpose, one common message. The king is coming. The king is coming. Hallelujah. The king is coming. The trumpeters will begin to blow just prior to the king's appearance. You and I are the trumpeter in this hour. The trumpets may be silent in a lot of places, but the trumpets don't have to be silent in Bible way. There are many trumpeteers that may be silent, but you and I don't have to be silent. Amen. The, the, the time of silence is over with. It's time to set the trumpet to our mouth. It's time to lift up your voice like a trumpet and blow. Amen. Amen. The King is yes.